0: David Lynch has described his uh, film a *Razorhead*
1: in this manner: a dream of dark and troubling things. And uh, would you like to expound on that a little? No. From the darkest corners of Chicago, this is the unenthusiastic critic's Halloween movie marathon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. Joining me today is the lady in the radiator, my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. Hello. On today's episode, Nakia and I continue our 2021 Halloween movie marathon with her first viewing of David Lynch's disturbing debut feature, Eraserhead, from 1977. Nakia, I wanted to start this week by preemptively challenging my own premise. Okay. Uh, I know you haven't watched it yet, so you can't weigh in on this until later. But glancing through Twitter, there seems to be a lot of disagreement about whether Eraserhead even qualifies as a horror movie. Uh, I've seen a lot of people list it as one of their favorite horror movies. A lot of people list it as a movie that, you know, fucked them up the way a good horror movie should. And then other people get pissy about that and say, it's not a horror movie at all. Okay. And I've been thinking about it, too, because Julia de new movie, Titan, is in theaters now. I haven't seen it yet, but you and I discussed her debut feature, Raw, on the podcast a couple years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was another movie where she sort of pushed back against it being called a horror movie. She said, I love horror movies. I would know how to make a horror movie if I wanted to. That is not a horror movie. And so that just got me, it made me realize that through all of these many years that we've been doing these little horror marathons, I'm not sure we've ever actually defined our terms.
0: Well, can I ask, okay, so if she did not think Raw was a horror movie, what did she think it was? I
1: think she, well, I think she thinks it's, she says she uses some horror tropes. I see. But she considers it a sort of mix of genres mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. its own thing. And I think we talked about it at the time, that movie, it's, you know, it's a coming-of-age movie. Sure. It's, you know, a feminist fable. Like, it's a lot of things in addition to having some parts that are pretty gross yeah. and pretty horrifying and made people, as her new movie does, faint in the theaters and need to call paramedics. So... I guess that's that's sort of my, my first question is, what constitutes horror? Is something that is gross, that is horrifying, that is disturbing, necessarily a horror movie? Mm. Or is it a more specific definition than that?
0: I mean, I think that's hard because I don't know... I feel like so many films do have different elements in them. And so maybe it does come back to intent. So if the intent is about fear and scaring people... And that sort of horrified reaction, then I guess yes, then that is a that's what I would consider to be a horror film. So sort of at the very base level, I think it's about intent of the director and.
1: Okay, and I should say up front, and I suspect you feel the same. I don't really care. No. Like I'm not. I. It's it's a purely academic exercise. Yeah. I don't really care how things are classified. I think classifying things is usually a waste of time. But I thought it would just be fun to have the conversation. Sure. So I looked up a couple of different definitions how people define, and I think it's, it's what you were just talking about. Um, let's see. Jason Hellerman on the site No Film School, defines horror as a genre of film and television whose purpose is to create feelings of fear, dread, disgust, and terror in the audience. So purpose, use the word intent." So mm-hmm. that's the same. The primary goal is to develop an atmosphere that puts the audience on edge and scares them. Jonathan Scott on Studio Binder defines it this way. Horror is a genre of storytelling intended to scare, shock, and thrill its audience. Horror can be interpreted in many different ways, but there is often a central villain, monster, or threat that is often a reflection of the fears being experienced by society at the time. As culture and fears change, so does horror. Okay, so again, we have the word intent there. Here is somewhat of an authority on the subject, Stephen King, writing in his book, *Dance Macabre*. He says horror works on two levels. On top is the gross-out level, but on another, more potent level, the work of horror really is a dance, a moving, rhythmic surge. And what it's looking for is the place where you, the viewer or the reader, live at your most primitive level. Hmm. Okay, so intent purpose, the experience the viewer is supposed to have from it, is that, like, where is the demarcation between what makes something horror versus what makes it a thriller, mm-hmm. or makes it suspense? Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: if we watch a thriller, we watch a suspense movie, we even, like, action movies, we're supposed to be caught up in it, we're supposed to feel tension, we're supposed to be worried about the protagonists, Mm -hmm. It may make us nervous. It may make us jumpy where, you know, gets the adrenaline going, but it's not considered horror. Right. Right. So this is what I was trying to narrow in on is, is where's that line?
0: I mean, well, if we take what Stephen King was saying, I think that sort of last point about tapping into sort of our basest sort of reactions and instincts, I think maybe that's where it lives is... Where is that place that's like deep down inside of each of us that is truly vulnerable, that is purely id, that Uh is sort of that sort of place of, I mean, there's no other thing of like fear, like that tapping into human fear in all the ways that it manifests, I think, is what makes it different than a standard thriller. A jump scare is a jump scare. That's more about you weren't expecting something and it just like, it was a little, <laughs> no, right? Like that's, that's an easy thing right. to do. But to actually get at a deep fear that humans hold, I think that's, that takes a little bit more work and a little bit more intention and thoughtfulness. And it's, it's harder to do.
1: It is harder to do. And it's, when you think about it, it's, Really, quite a remarkable artistic feat. Mm-hmm. You are sitting in your own home or in a movie theater, surrounded by people. You have, you know, on every conscious level, you have nothing to be afraid of. Right. But it can make you afraid. Yes. It can make, and and maybe that's one of the lines between horror and thriller, or action movie, or suspense. If I watch a suspense movie, I might be worried about the characters. Right. Like, oh, I'm I'm worried about what's going to happen to that character. Whereas a horror movie I think is designed to make me worried about what's going to happen to me mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. make me afraid yeah yeah um all right well let's let's talk about a few movies and see if maybe it'll help us narrow in on on what is and is not horror okay I would say and we'll see if you agree of the of the and these are both movies we watched for the blog alien is a horror movie aliens is not mm-hmm do you have any memory of these movies? I vaguely <laughs> or the difference between remember them. remember
0: these films. Um, I know the first one was with the little girl.
1: No, this, that, no. that's aliens. Sorry, that's the, second okay. one.
0: the first one was not with the little girl. Uh, the second one was with the little girl and Paul Reiser in the vest. Yes, as the evil corporate
1: dude. And I know you found the vest in and of itself because it was just I... a marker
0: of evil. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So the first one is very claustrophobic.
0: And it's more moody. And, and it's more—it's yeah.
1: slower, it's more moody. And I remember watching that movie and being scared. Yeah. Um, it's basically a haunted house on a spaceship. Yeah. The second movie, there's all the marines with the machine guns, and there's multiple monsters, so it's like an army of the aliens that they're fighting. And it's a good movie, but it's a different genre of movie to me that's mm-hmm. an action movie mm-hmm. or a thriller. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can see that argument. I definitely think... The first one is more traditionally in line with like what I would consider to be horror than the second. See, this is funny, though, too, because I wonder how much of this is subjective in that we were talking a little bit last week about what does and doesn't scare me. Like, what movies, So right. I was saying, like a were- the werewolf trope just doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I don't think the aliens thing does either. And maybe it's because it's harder for me to envision any scenario... <laughs> <laughs> Where that would be me, it was like I just wouldn't be right. there, and so it's it's a little bit. You're not I'm still to able, a space
1: miner, not at all, a space trucker. I'm
0: still able to sort of maintain that remove mm-hmm. a little bit. But having said that, I do think it is the first one is the scarier of the two, if only because of its novelty at that point, mm-hmm. and because it is just a tighter story. So yeah, I agree with that.
1: Okay, so then, then I started to think, okay, so, and I think my thought process was aliens James Cameron, then I went to the Terminator. Is the Terminator a horror movie? no it's it's got a monster, this unstoppable monster <laughs> who's pursuing this person,
0: sure, uh, but it's like
1: not. why is Halloween a horror movie, and Terminator is not?
0: I don't because Halloween you have this unstoppable force that is wholly democratic in his approach. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it feels more—it feels closer to where we li- like. It's literally where we mm, live. It's right. in our homes. It's you know, and so it is this thing that can- will not die. That is trespassing into spaces where we think we're safe. Whereas with the Terminator, they're just looking for that one dude, the the, the one woman, the right. one woman, right? And then eventually her son. Like so, it's right. like, well, that's your problem. <laughs> so <it's just> like...
1: <laughs> That. I can see how that'd be really scary for you, right?
0: Not that my problem, scare right? Me. Except All that right. then we, we come to find out that it's like the entire fate of the world well, like, yes. hinges on it. But right. like to so a certain extent, it's like well, that's similarly to um, well, it follows. Like, right, that's your deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: not, that's, sorry, um, bummer. Right. Whereas with Halloween, like that was anybody that came. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I do think, obviously, there's a lot to be. Discuss Just in terms of the filmmaking, and again, coming back to intent, mm-hmm. like, is the filmmaker trying to thrill us, or is the filmmaker trying to scare us? Right. John Carpenter in Halloween is trying to scare us. Yes. Um, and I think that is the difference, you know, tr- technically Jurassic Park meets a lot of the criteria for a horror mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously not. Right. It's clearly not a horror movie. Right. I think there are some questionable... Is The Fly a horror movie? Oh, God.
0: I don't think The Fly is a horror movie. It is horrifying. It is
1: horrific in in places. And totally gross. It's
0: absolutely gross. So I wouldn't...
1: But it's sort of not structured like a horror movie. No.
0: And I don't think it's meant to scare us. I think it's meant to sort of gross us out. Like we're supposed to be repulsed at his transformation. But I don't think it's supposed to scare us necessarily. Except, you know, childbirth with the... (laughs) but yeah uh
1: i do think there is a question of is something that deeply disturbs us mm. necessarily a horror movie
0: no i mean musicals deeply disturb me <laughs> but they are the not sound
1: of music horror deeply, movie or not a horror deeply movie
0: deeply disturbs me but it's not a horror film
1: i was thinking more like requiem for a dream
0: Yes. Train spotting. A movie
1: I will never yes. watch again. I
0: can't there are a few films like that where I'm just like, never again. Train <laughs> the scene with the baby on the ceiling and train spotting fucks me. Look, like, can't do it.
1: Remember you said that. Well because I can we're gonna come back to that in this episode. And
0: Requiem for a Dream is similar where it's like there are some scenes where I'm just like, No, can't <laughs> just not doing it. But not a horror film, but it does it is indelible in a way. And it's it's that's just like I can't that visual I, I need to it to not be in my my world.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so why isn't that a horror movie?
0: Because it's not meant to scare me, I don't think. I think it's... It's meant to disturb. I think it is it is meant to elicit some sort of, like, emotion, and it's meant to trouble you in that moment. But I don't think it's about tapping into, again, that, like, deep-seated...
1: So that Stephen King primal clause of, fear. The, of the primitive, yeah. that sort of... Yeah,
0: I think maybe that's
1: Reptile the yeah. brain fear. Maybe that yeah. is it. Maybe that is the life. Because
0: of the creepy because baby may not about, freak everybody else
1: out. Here's a movie that I don't think anyone would qualify as a horror movie, yet, to me, it, it meets a lot of the criteria... I don't know how well you remember this. Uh, David Fincher's Seven. Mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt and Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman. It's a movie that deals with societal anxieties. It has horrible things in it, yes. like deeply disturbing images and scenes. The whole thing is solemn and gloomy. The whole thing takes place in dark rain, and it's all very dystopian. It ends with a certain character's <laughs> head turning up in a box. <laughs> like, it's it's horrible. Right. And yet, somehow, still not a not horror, horror movie. No. And I do think, you're right, I think it comes back to that that feeling of, oh, well, that sucks for you. Right. (laughs) But I'm not looking over my shoulder as I'm watching it, feeling like Kevin Spacey's going to come kill me or anything. Exactly. Okay, so I guess we solved this problem. Done and done. (laughs) 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 And I I do think it it ultimately, you know, comes down to what Justice Potter Stewart said about pornography. You know, I I can't necessarily define it, but I know it when I I I I see it. Okay. Well, we will we will circle back to this okay. after we watch the movie and talk about where you think this falls on that that scale. Okay. What are your fears? Uh, pretty much the regular, you know, fears. You've been in therapy? Uh one one time. One time. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I mean, you just well, decided that. I've told uh, the story before. Oh, I, I haven't heard. it. No, it's okay. Um, well, I I went in. Um, you know, I had uh uh a reason you know for going sure. in, and um, then I asked him straight out right up front could this process that we're going to go through affect creativity and he said David I have to be honest with you it could and so then I had to shake his hand and I'll say and, goodbye and, uh, yeah. this is not from me yeah because it's it's uh it's uh it's a magical thing and and you don't want to know uh, so much that would you know uh... uh stop it from happening. Okay, so let's talk about this movie we're gonna to watch today. What, if anything, do you know about Eraser Head?
0: I don't really know anything about Eraserhead. I think my mom has seen it. So I don't know why I have it, but it may have just been one that I was like, I, for whatever reason I didn't do it. And it's possible because I'd seen I it. I actually either.
1: have trouble picturing your mother sitting down and watching this movie.
0: She she's watched some David Lynch stuff. Okay. But yeah, I I don't really know anything about it. And then every time someone says Eraser Head, I picture the dude from um with the pin pinhead. pinhead. Yes. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, very different movies. I would
0: imagine, <laughs> which I have seen, okay. so I have seen the pinhead thing. All but, right.
1: Yeah. Be a good fight, though. <laughs> uh, what's What's your experience slash feelings with with David Lynch?
0: I mean, David Lynch is a, he's very good at what he does, and it's, it's unsettling. I'm always unsettled mm-hmm. after watching anything by David Lynch. So I've seen um, uh, what is it, Blue Velvet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is just unsettling. <laughs> um, I've seen what's is it, Lost Highway. Yeah, I've watched some of the Twin Peaks things.
1: Yeah, you didn't you didn't warm up to Twin no. Peaks at all.
0: Um, I, I think
1: I tried to get you into that, and you were just no. It was yeah,
0: yeah. It's just it's a very particular universe mm-hmm. and very visual. I always I always walk away with something that I don't want. visually, that, like, I want to put it down, and I can't, it takes me a while to put it down.
1: What is, and I don't have an answer to this question, but what does the term lynchian mean to you?
0: Very shorthand, weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, lynchian means dreamlike, it means complicated, it means affected in ways. Like, it's very, it's a very arc space. Stylized. Stylized space. Um, but
1: not randomly weird.
0: No, not randomly not weird. Not like just
1: random surreal images. No,
0: no. But yeah, surreal. That's, yes, Lantian is surreal. All
1: right, so this this was his first feature film, mm-hmm. which he described simply as a dream of dark and troubling things. Uh And in the interview I saw, when the interviewer asked him if he wanted to expound on that, he said no.
2: <laughs> of course not.
1: In fact, he has. This movie is on the Criterion channel, and there's a lot of bonus features, and I watched all of them. There's like an 85-minute documentary of David Lynch talking about Eraserhead. Nowhere does he even begin to talk about what the movie is actually about.
0: That's not what he does. No.
1: No. (laughs) He's not interested in doing that. Mm -mm. This was in the late 60s. I'll do a little background here briefly. In the late 60s, when Lynch was, you know, 20, 21, he was in Philadelphia studying at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. He was a painter, and he still paints originally, and his first short films were barely films at all. They were He was trying to animate his paintings. Hmm. That was where he started out. And I'm going to throw in some biographical info here just because it's, I think it's fundamental to the, the standard narrative of how people interpret this movie. He began a relationship with a fellow student, Peggy Reeve, while he was at Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. Uh, She got pregnant, and they got married when he was 21. Mm. And, you know, she says he was a reluctant father. We were both reluctant. Like, this was not an ideal situation. Peggy gave birth the following spring to their daughter Jennifer. Jennifer was born with severely clubbed feet. Mm. Jennifer had to wear hip-length casts as a baby and have multiple surgeries. And you'll see when we watch the movie why we're talking about this, because it's all... That early experience of parenthood and everything is in this
2: movie.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And they were living in a shitty, shitty neighborhood in Philadelphia. Violent, scary. Lynch has described it as a city that's filled with fear, a decaying, violent, fearful place. And he said, the biggest influence in my whole life was that city. You know, he said they they had break-ins, they witnessed murders in the street, like it was just sort of nightmarish. And again, I think that's all in this movie. He says this is his Philadelphia story, this movie. (laughs) But his short films attracted attention, he was invited to come out to the American Film Institute's Center for Advanced Film Studies in Los Angeles, and he moved the whole family out there. Um, He was supposed to be working on another short film that was going to be called Garden Back, which was about a man with adulterous yearnings whose, somehow, adulterous yearnings manifest as a giant insect. As they do. (laughs) (laughs) Again, some of this ended up in Eraserhead. That project fell apart. Lynch was going to drop out, but the dean was a big supporter of his and said, well, what do you really want to do? And he he said, Eraserhead. He had this idea for this movie. AFI greenlit it. I think they gave him like $10,000, and they told him he could use the campus to shoot on. And basically, he and his friends set up this little film studio right there on the campus of the AFI Center. There were these kind of stables on the campus that they took it over and mm-hmm. made a little film studio there. And then they proceeded to work on this film for the next almost five years.
2: Wow.
1: They had no money. Lynch was literally had a paper route to help feed his family, the, the actors. It was a labor of love. The actors were, you know, buying film stock on their way to go shoot every day, so they'd have film to shoot on that day. The script had only been 21 pages long, and when when AFI greenlit it, they thought that meant it would be about a 20-minute movie. It turned out to be an 89-minute movie, so this is part of why it took more than four years to shoot. Poor Jack Nance, who plays the lead character, had to maintain his haircut (laughs) for all five years of that. Um, And they... They made this movie, first of all, everybody in it says, I don't know what it's about either, but it was a labor of love, and they sort of made it thinking no one would ever see it. Hmm. Um, it premiered in March 1977 at a screening with about 25 people, mostly friends and family. But it got picked up on, doesn't really exist anymore, the sort of midnight movie circuit. You know, like Rocky Horror yeah. was a midnight movie, John Waters' Pink Flamingo was a midnight movie, Night of the Living Dead. Like, this, there was this whole circuit of midnight movies, these sort of cult movies. And it got picked up there, first in Los Angeles, and then in San Francisco and New York, and it, it became this thing. Mm-hmm. And it it made... Lynch's career. Mel Brooks was producing the screen version of The Elephant Man. He saw this movie and loved it and hired David Lynch to do that. Lynch got an Academy Award nomination for Best Director for The Elephant Man, his second movie. So this was where it all started. And I don't, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it with you is I honestly have not the slightest idea how you're going to react to this movie.
0: Okay.
1: I can see you absolutely loving it, I can see you absolutely <laughs> hating it. <laughs> I really don't... Usually I sort of know. Yeah. And even when I pretend I think you're going to like something, I know you're not going to like it or whatever, I honestly have no idea.
0: I mean, as long as it's an extreme, I think it's good.
1: You like extreme.
0: Yeah, I either need to love it or I need to hate it. If it's anywhere in the middle, then it's just
1: there's <laughs> no is, point in us
0: having a conversation, a slog right? Of a conversation. It's just like, there's nothing to talk about here. <laughs> so I'm totally fine with either of those. Okay. Being the outcome.
1: I do think there is stuff in this movie that will have that effect you were talking about about okay. getting in your brain and never quite being able to unsee it. All right. I don't I don't know that I understand the movie. I think, like I said, I think there are certain received narratives of what everyone agrees is going on in it. It's not, that I don't know. I don't know what the point of my trying to tell you what the experience of watching the movie is before we watch it, so maybe I won't do that. Okay. I will say, Lynch says it's a very personal film, and he says, Believe it or not, Eraserhead is my most spiritual film. Mm. Um, He has also said, coming back to the question of interpretation, no reviewer or critic has ever given an interpretation that is my interpretation. Interesting. So whatever he thinks he was saying in this, he says he's never heard anyone else repeat. So there's a lot of room for for interpretation here. But I also think that's just not how he works. He says, If you start worrying right away about the meaning of everything, chances are your poor intellect is only going to glean a little portion of it. If it stays abstract, it feels truthful and it hooks you in the right way. There's a certain logic and truth and right workings that you have to trust. And he's talking about his creative process. Like, he doesn't know what it means when he starts, but he thinks some sort of emotional truth is coming out, some sort of yeah. unconscious truth. But I think that's probably also true watching it, is maybe not worry too much about trying to figure out what it all means. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, what, are you, what are you expecting from this?
0: Um, Pretty much just a mindfuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lynch, it's, Lynch is interesting to me in that typically directors like this annoy me. Like, the whole... It can come off pretentious mm-hmm. and self-indulgent, and yet I don't. I've never felt that way about Lynch. I'm I, it's sort of like
1: <laughs> I, I, ha- I'm actually not a gigantic mm. Lynch. Like I don't adore everything Lynch has yeah. done. I found the new Twin Peaks series more annoying than yeah, yeah, interesting. Nonsense, yeah. Um, and I know I'm in the vast minority on that. Everybody thought it was the greatest, not just the greatest show, the greatest film of the 21st century, Mm -hmm. and I just don't. Mm -hmm. I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I just think there's some directors that you have to decide, okay, we're going to go ahead and do this. (laughs) You're in or you're you're out. So Lynch is one of those, what's his name, Malick is one of those, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where it's just like, okay, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. And we're just going (laughs) to... And and you just have to, you know, let it wash over you.
1: Malick apparently was a fan of this. Uh, Kubrick was a huge... Kubrick that's said this was one. his favorite yeah. movie, and he apparently he showed it to the crew on The Shining to get him in the mood. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> All right, well, let's just go watch it and see what happens. Okay. For those of you watching along at home, Eraserhead is currently streaming for subscribers on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. So when we get back, we will talk about Eraserhead.
2: Did you and Mary have sexual intercourse? Why? Did you? Why are you asking me this question? I have a very good reason. And now I want you to tell me. I'm very... uh,
1: I love Mary.
2: Henry, I asked you if you and Mary had sexual intercourse.
1: Well, I, don't, I I don't think that's any of your business. Henry. I... I'm sorry.
2: You are in very bad trouble if you won't cooperate. Well, uh, I Mary? to me. I'm too nervous. There's a baby. It's at the hospital. Mom! And you're the father.
1: But that's impossible. It, it's only No, been...
2: they're still not sure it is a baby.
1: And we're back. During the break, Nikki and I watched Eraserhead. Uh, Nakia, it may not surprise you to learn that early reviews of this film were not... Entirely complimentary. Mm. Uh, a staff review in Variety said Eraserhead is a sickening bad taste exercise made by David Lynch. The pick has good tech values, particularly the inventive sound mixing, but little substance or subtlety. The mind boggles to learn that Lynch labored on this pick for five years. <laughs> Uh, Siskel and Ebert were, on their TV show, were sort of dismissive of it. They they didn't get it, and they didn't really care to pay much attention to it. Ebert said, sometimes people just want to go on a bad trip. (laughs) That was his summation of Eraserhead. Uh, On the other hand, the San Francisco Examiner called it a grotesque comic melange of the vile and the uncanny.
2: Words. Hmm.
1: And on the Criterion website, they say, This visionary nocturnal odyssey continues to haunt American cinema like no other film. How did you react to Eraserhead? Uh,
0: I mean, pretty much the whole time I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? So, it is...
1: I don't... Is that a good what the fuck or a bad what the I fuck? I think
0: it's good. So here's the thing. I go back to what I said at the beginning, which is like, you just have to decide that you're in this. <laughs> um, and so about 20 minutes or so in when we're at the family dinner, I was just like, I might be out.
1: Like yeah, I, You did. You, I said, like, <laughs> you said, just so you know... I was out at the dinner scene. <laughs> that
0: was the moment I was like, oh, I might, I might be out. I might not be able to do this. Um, but having said that it is, it is a one of a kind film. And it, I think it toggles that line for me of like a little bit self indulgent, like student art film thing where you just oh, like, sure, okay, you're doing like all the things that you're trying to do in this one. Movie. <laughs> and yet it is also, it's, 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 you cannot not watch it. No. Like, you, you can't look away from it, even in its quieter moments. It's deeply inventive. It is troubling. <laughs> um,
1: it is masterfully done. It is really, really I well mean, done. It, is, it does have that student film feel, yeah. but, like, this is no student film ever looked no. this it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I kept checking in on you because I was worried that you would just check out. And I don't think you did. I didn't. You you seemed pretty mesmerized. It was a it was like
0: Yeah, at, dinner, at the dinner scene, I was just like, no, this is, <laughs> I can't do this. But I, I still kept, like, I didn't turn away from it. I kept watching it. And I t- it's just, you have to let go of the expectation of a linear narrative. And sometimes that's hard to do a little bit, even though there was one, sort of. Well, that's the thing,
1: is I, because I had not seen this movie in a long time before mm-hmm. I rewatched it you know, a few days ago. And I wasn't sure about... Like, I didn't remember... Obviously, there were certain images that I remembered very clearly. But I couldn't remember how surreal the Mm -hmm. narrative was. Mm -hmm. And actually, I found it more linear than I I had expected it to be.
0: I think, for me, yes, on the... In retrospect. (laughs) Like, once I realized, okay, that was a dream. Okay, now we're back. Because there were moments where I was like, oh, is this really happening? Is this... And then it's like, okay, no, this is in his head, or this is a dream, or this is a... Or the whole thing is a fucking dream. I don't know. <laughs> it was, yeah. No, but I... Yeah, it's... It is singular in its vision and execution.
1: All right, well, uh, how, how would you like to talk about this? I don't know. Talk about this movie?
0: No idea. <laughs> I have snippets of notes that, upon reading them, I'm like, what? <laughs> Were you even writing? <laughs> Elevator. Room. <laughs> Coins in pot of water. Nursing dog. Scratching knee. Seizure. Brushes hair. Grandmother. Chicken twitches and bleeds. Seizure. Family dinner. Baby that would never have been allowed to leave the hospital. Was there any mail? Worm in cabinet. She leaves suitcase under the bed. Baby is sentient herpes sore. <laughs> Humidifier. Woman on stage, disfigured face, worms. In bed, cocooning, emerging from a chrysalis, worms in the bed, throwing them against the wall, sleeps with neighbor, head pops off, baby head emerges, head falls in alley. Kid steals it. Brain matter into eraser tops. Baby mocking laughing. Cut open body cast, organs stab, grit like substance. That is the extent of my notes.
1: And that's our show. And that is our show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I don't know that there's anything else to say besides that. <laughs> that is a razor head. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's kind of approach this as we would any other movie. Kay. Kind of go through it more or less chronologically. Sure. Uh, what, so we open with a scene of Henry's floating head, mm-hmm. some sperm like the wiggle worm, sure. sperm worms. Then we get this brief, the movie opens and closes with a gentleman listed in the credits as the Man in the Planet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, played by Jack Fisk, and he's he's working the levers. What do we what do we make of the Man in the Planet?
0: Don't know. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think that's probably one interpretation that he's the God figure. I think there are probably other interpretations.
0: I think given his. Physical.
1: He's sort of a wretched looking dude. He's
0: a wretched look to the point. So he sort of looks like the baby when the baby's covered in the herpes sores. I was like, is this the grown baby that's like now controlling his life? It's yes. I don't. I don't know.
1: Okay. He kind of he sets the story in motion. Sure. Right. He pulls the lever. So he could be the creative urge. He could be the storytelling urge. I think he could be the sex drive. Right. Because he sort of releases the sperm. Sure. I
0: all of the above. <laughs> yes. All of those things could absolutely make sense.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, and then we then we meet Henry. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about Henry, played by uh, Jack Nance.
0: Uh, Henry is a nerdy, nervous little gentleman who works for a paper company. Is that what he, he's
1: a printer? Printer, mm-hmm. which I believe is a job that Lynch had in mm. in Philadelphia.
0: So he lives in this little sort of run-down apartment building. And this
1: industrial, industrial you had to to like those shots of the the city and that industrial neighborhood.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's a super industrial space, uh, and his apartment building is sort of dark and dank and... The elevator takes about 10 seconds too long to close. <laughs> I love
1: that. And I had, I had meant, when, when I did my little introduction to this, I had meant to use the word comic at some point, because I think this is it, a very funny There are funny, funny moments.
0: There are funny moments. As yes.
1: disturbing, as dark yes. and disturbing as it is, I also think it's a just, I don't know, what's past being a pitch black <laughs> comedy, but it's...
0: But yeah, so we um, follow him home, and I don't even know how to describe his apartment, <laughs> I don't know what the stuff growing <laughs> there's like everywhere weird is mold stuff like growing. mossy mold stuff growing all over the place that doesn't seem to bother him He's got
1: a plant on his bedside table yeah, but it's not in a pot or no, anything it's just it's a just pile like a of, mound dirt of dirt with a tree coming a tree out <laughs> sticking out of it
0: and the radiator is pushing out way too much steam and again he has a pot full of water and coins in the pot of water in
1: in the drawer of the bureau which i'm
0: confused i've never explained (laughs) don't know why that is um but yeah it's he's a he's an interesting character
1: but i think i mean this it's almost a silent movie there's really not a lot of dialogue in this and it could have easily been a silent movie Mm -hmm. but i think nance is actually very good yes his physicality that like, we do know who this guy is, mm-hmm. and I think it's 20 minutes before he says a word. Yeah. But just his body language. Well, and that
0: he's, shock of hair. Yeah. And it always looks like he's being, like, electrocuted. <laughs> like, it's just, he's very, yeah, it's an but expressive But he's very timid. He jumps
1: yeah. at things. He's, you know, he's very scared. Like, as he walks through that mm-hmm. industrial cityscape, he's a little jumpy and a little closed in on himself. Yeah, yeah it's very good. And then he gets a message from his beautiful mm-hmm. neighbor next door, who I believe is credited as beautiful girl next door or Why something would she as be that. Anything else?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, that he's invited to dinner at, at Mary's house.
0: Right. Was there a tear in his eye at that moment?
1: (laughs) Possibly. I
0: felt like there was a tear. Then I was like, "Why is he crying?" So then, that's the like the dialogue between characters. Just as long as it took the elevator doors to close, it takes that long for people to like speak and then respond to what was just
1: said. This is
0: strange.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she tells him that, and then like thirty seconds go by, and then he says, "Thank you, thank you for telling me." All
0: right, so yes. He's been invited to have dinner with Mary and her family.
1: And this is where you talk about linear narrative and logic and everything. And then there being, you know, emotional truth mm-hmm. below that. I, I feel like I've been to this dinner.
0: Oh, we've all been to this dinner. I, f-
1: I feel like I've gone home with, with girlfriends and met their families. And I've, I've been to this dinner.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, was this what it was like Me, and my family for the first time? <laughs> I, I
1: wasn't going to say that. I didn't say that. Wow. Never said that. Other. Other girlfriends. Old girlfriends. Did my
0: mom lick your face at some point and I didn't know? (laughs) You didn't know? You didn't tell me. Yeah, that was weird. Um, (laughs) Pretty much from word go. It's clear that he and Mary have been dating, but she's been gone for a while. And so this invite to dinner came a little bit out of the blue for Henry. And then he enters and the mother is weird (laughs) and immediately hostile and strange And there's a dog that's nursing, like, 50 fucking puppies. Like, way too many puppies. Way too many fucking puppies. There's no way you have that many teats. And it's loud. Like, it's loud.
1: And we hear the sound before we see the dog (laughs) and the puppies. It's like, what the fuck is that sound? It's one of those
0: things that no one is acknowledging. And you're just like, is it okay? And and that's how it feels to be, like, a guest in someone's home. Something Mm -hmm. that they're totally fine with. You're just like, nobody's talking about the fuck. (laughs) There's 100 puppies on that damn dog. Nursing. (laughs) Okay, Get
1: grandma in the kitchen.
0: Not moving. Totally catatonic. <laughs> but somehow you want her to mix the salad. It's very important that you help her to mix the salad and then you just put a cigarette in her mouth and leave her. She's definitely going to catch on fire at some point.
1: i tell you what that reminded me of, and I don't know if it was intentional, is do you remember at the end of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Barely, you know. There's the, the mm-hmm. terrible family that has yes. been killing all these people, and there's the the patriarch of that family is an almost catatonic old man, and they put the hammer in his hand and they try to help yep. him kill the girl. Yep, that's what that scene reminded but me.
0: But at of. least that's like okay, that's a worthwhile endeavor. Mixing a salad. <laughs> Just leave that woman be. I mean, most
1: people would reverse the... No.
0: I mean, that is like, okay, we want you to be a part of this family ritual of murdering people. <laughs> it's important.
1: Well, we want to help Grandma no, gets to toss this no, out no, and...
0: because it looked like some straight up just basic bitch-ass romaine <laughs> with a bunch of ranch dressing on it. So, we don't need to have her do that. Anyway, so she's no. sitting in the kitchen. Nobody ever mentions her or talks about her no. or introduces her to Henry. No. And then the father figure is just super twitchy and... Friendly, friendly, but to the point of making you uncomfortable because <laughs> he immediately just overshares everything, yeah. and you learn about his entire he's life.
1: A, he's a plumber.
0: He's a plumber, and his knees are bad, and he thinks the place is totally gone to shit, and he doesn't have feeling in his arm. And <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a weird collection of people. But they cook these little chickens. These like guinea is that what they call it? Like guinea hens is that the, what is it called
1: yeah there well there is a yes but i don't know that that's what these are he <laughs> says, the dad says these are new they're man-made
0: man-made chicken so there's this whole thing of like this is an environment that's been poisoned by the industrial space within which like right everything is contaminated by the fact that they live in this deeply industrial space like it's obviously corrupted his sperm um <laughs> and it's just it has physically and mentally warped people because they are in this super industrial, like toxic environment, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where these weird ass chickens come from. Um, but he asks Henry to cut the chicken, which you don't need to <laughs> you cut don't need a to chicken need, that right, small. You, don't curve you just chicken. pick it up, <laughs> and he, he has this like this obnoxiously large knife to cut this very <laughs> tiny little chicken. And then the chicken, And he's
1: like, "Do do, do I just carve it like a regular chicken? Like, yeah,
0: yeah, fine." Uh, starts to spew something from his cavity, and so because it's black and white, we can't quite tell, is it blood, is it, like, a tar substance? It's
1: gross, whatever it is. Whatever it is, and
0: you get close-ups of the cavity and, like, bubbles of this shit just coming out of this chicken, and it's doing this weird, like, twitchy fucking dance (laughs) as it's ejaculating stuff. And again, everybody's sort of at the table just looking and not commenting on it mm-hmm. until the mom starts to have a weirdly <laughs> sexualized seizure in reaction to the chicken. She's
1: got her tongue out. She's breathing heavy. She has a little... It's
0: uh, turning her on in a way that makes me deeply uncomfortable. And no one, again, is like talking about that that's happening mm-hmm. until she gets up and sort of leaves the table. Again,
1: and, this all just brought me back to my first Thanksgiving with your family.
0: I mean, there was a lot of blood in the turkey. <laughs> But see, my family, nothing would go uncommented. <laughs> that would be the difference. They'd be like, "What the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> the fuck do you get these fucking Where these weird ass chickens come from?" <laughs> so it would be a "Who brought the chicken?" situation, mm-hmm. and it would, we would have a discussion about it, and that would normalize it. It would be more normal if we were talking about it. So the mom runs off, and then the daughter runs after her, weeping, and then it's Henry and the dad sitting there awkwardly. <laughs> Not doing anything, not saying anything. The mom comes back and is like, Henry, I need to talk to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The daughter yeah. sort of comes out of the door weeping. Yeah. Not saying anything.
1: And we get a little little news, a little personal news.
0: Yes, Mary had a baby. <laughs> but we don't know if it's a baby.
1: They're not even sure if it is a baby, Mary says.
0: And somehow, again, we get the mom sucking Henry's face off. Mm-hmm. And she has... Something's gone wrong. But it's basically like, okay, well, you gotta marry. You gotta marry Mary, you guys gotta take care of this baby. Yeah. And then Henry's nose starts bleeding because he feels awesome about that decision. <laughs> it's like, yep, we're absolutely gonna do that.
1: And again, doesn't this all just like it's not really surreal? It feels like it all makes no, sense. No, I mean it's, it's like a it's
0: almost like a sitcom turned organic. up all the way to mm-hmm. like a million, right? right? Like you take all of that awkwardness of meeting the family. And you just turn it all the way up.
1: And also just, and I don't I don't want to get too heavy into the whole biographical stuff, because I think that's always a mistake. But even just in the abstract, becoming a parent at 20 years old. It's fucking terrifying. And having to get married, I think it probably does feel like it happened just that fast and just that awkwardly. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? I turn up at this place and now suddenly she's pregnant and I'm getting married and I've got a baby. Just bam, like that. Yeah. And this is, I was not prepared for any of this. So I think it's kind of perfect.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a, great, it's just so much weirdness. And I don't know if there's any benefit in trying to ask why. Like, why was the mom reacting that way at the dinner? Like, what was that about? And then even before that, when they're still sitting on the couch before they go to dinner, Mary has some weird thing where yeah, she keeps she scratching her fucking leg. Mm-hmm. And then she just, like, seizes out. But her mom just brushes her hair, and yeah. that's, like, calming her down. And it becomes this really weird, like steel magnolias moment of like drink your juice shelby it's just a very and again nobody says anything no and so it's like well what is should i be asking why probably not <laughs> i should just be like okay yep that's happening
1: that's the thing with this one i think you just have to say like i don't know why but i feel why sure like sure it it feels like that all makes some kind of sense okay i can't articulate why
0: so she moves in and i guess they get married <laughs> And we see the baby.
1: And we meet the baby.
0: Baby in quotes.
1: Well, it's baby.
0: Because I literally did write down, <laughs> never would have been allowed to leave the hospital. <laughs> At no point would any physician <laughs> hand that baby in quotes over to anyone. Here you go.
1: (laughs) What do you? I'm sorry. What do you think they would do with the baby?
0: Bio waste.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's dark.
0: I mean, oh, really? That's That's dark. dark. That's dark. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what this baby becomes (laughs) later.
1: So, what was your initial reaction to the baby? Uh, Where does this rank in the (laughs) in the pantheon of disturbing babies, along with the train spotting baby and?
2: So
0: the train spotting baby is just worse because it's a real. It is a visually human baby. That has just been fucked over by a drug addict, right? Right. So there's a there's a just a, a different type of horror with uh. that. This <laughs> is not a baby. <laughs> this is some weird wallaby et looking. I I don't know. It's so oddly shaped.
1: So he, here's a fun fact about how they made the baby. Oh god. No one knows. What? No one involved in this movie has ever explained how they did the baby.
0: Because they didn't know or they're D- keeping it a secret.
1: David Lynch is is apt to say stuff like, "Oh yeah, it was a baby that was born nearby," or, Bullshit! or "We found that baby." Like <laughs> he absolutely refuses to <laughs> say anything about where that For baby God, came it's from. It's
0: not a baby. So it's
1: there's nothing but speculation about what the hell we're looking at. If it
0: is a baby, it is it's an like, animal baby. Is it
1: there's speculation that it's like a calf fetus. Or a lamb fetus. But even then, they had to animate it. They had to make it animatronic. And again, they had no budget, so I think they just found that baby.
0: Okay, you don't just find a baby (laughs) that looks like that. That has no body. I, I think it they had just ca- has like think a, a
1: casting call collection of organs. There was probably
0: wrapped up. There
1: were like stage moms nope, that brought you in don't their just find that baby. Nope,
0: no, <laughs> no, you don't just find that baby. That baby is made just like those chickens were made, and somebody knows how that baby came to be. It's all roomy. It's weird. It's a. It's such an odd thing.
1: It's really disturbing, and it's
0: so glossy and just wet, and yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem
1: but again i feel like it it's like yeah i get i get what that means i get what that and i've i think i've talked before and i'm sure my friends get tired of me using this example but i just remember Going over to see my friends, like, just a couple of weeks after they had their first baby.
0: Mm, it wasn't done yet.
1: No, and they were, like, so miserable. Yeah. They were like, we hate this. We hate every second of it. It won't stop screaming. We haven't slept in weeks. We want our lives back. Yeah. That's how they were. And obviously they got over that and everything was wonderful eventually. But that's why, like, yeah, it does seem normal because, again probably sometimes feels like that. Like, what is this thing? This squalling, wet, disgusting thing that won't stop screaming.
0: This is where we say we do not have children.
1: And you're feeling good about that decision today, aren't you? This
0: is actually any sort of abstinence. Oh no! Education. This, absolutely, show them this. This
1: is contraception in cinematic this. form. Like, oh, hell
0: no! <laughs> hell no! And your baby's head could actually look like that. Like if it gets like st- I think if they get like vaginal cavity, they have to pull it out. It oh, fucking d- stretches the head. <laughs> like I think it, it, it can actually look like that. Like a camel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like a a skin. The only difference is now
0: doctors sort of know how to mold it sort of back together so that it looks sort of human. This one, the doctor's like, fuck it. And just, it should have, see, and this is, this movie does not make me a good person. (laughs) Because I visualize her birthing this. Number one, there's no way you birth this and don't die. You absolutely die after you birth something like this. But you birth it, and then you know the like the bio waste trash cans uh-huh. in the hospital where you just step on the thing and it goes bloop, and you just go bloop, bloop, like slam dunk <laughs> straight in the trash, straight in the trash. There's no way you're taking that home. <laughs> Ethically unsound. You cannot take that home.
1: You tell the mother, "Oh, it was a hysterical right. pregnancy. No, just can't. Was, no, you did no not baby. have a
0: baby. <laughs> you did not have a baby.
1: I know that seemed real and everything, but no, there was there was no baby.
0: Walk away." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the, the kindest thing you can do. <laughs> well, Mary kind of agrees with you.
0: She does, She's like, first of all, she's feeding it when we see her. <laughs> and sort of holding its nose, whatever we're calling its nose, because it doesn't have yeah. any, mm-hmm. so that it opens its mouth so she can put pureed spinach in, down the gullet. And it's like, well, what are you even feeding this thing? <laughs> and then she just sort of moves away from it. <laughs> And then he comes home, so she goes back to sort of pretend that, like, oh, I've been doing this mother thing the whole time, and I'm totally into this baby. Well, we get in the mail. Fuck off. You're not asking that. (laughs) No, you don't ask. Was there any mail? Those questions don't exist in this world. All the questions should be existentially. What the fuck did we just do? Should we kill it? Let's just leave. These are the <laughs> things we talk about. We don't talk about the mail. But yeah, she's done pretty much day one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. Good luck with the baby. Mm-hmm. And then there's just some weird shit in this movie. The whole thing with the luggage under oh, the God, bed. Oh, I love
1: that. I love that. It's so
0: fucking awkward <laughs> and weird. So, like, she's packed up in the middle of the night and she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to my mom's house because I'm, I'm not I'm into going this.
1: crazy. <laughs>
0: and so she kneels down at The bottom of the bed, and all we see is her sort of just like shaking the bed up and down, and we don't know know what's going on. And it goes
1: on forever, so
0: fucking long. (laughs) And then she finally pulls this suitcase out from under the bed, which absolutely should not have caused any problems coming out from under that bed. It is not that big. And I'm like, Bullshit! Like what? And she's staring daggers at him the whole time. Cut, 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 cut. And then this little last suitcase comes out and you're like, What?
1: Why did you have so much trouble? Why
0: was, it, was this either? such an ordeal? <laughs> now it just seems like you're being a dick. <laughs> I'm leaving! Like, somebody leaving making all the noise while they leave just to be a dick. It's like, then get the fuck out and stop banging shit down!
1: Stop shaking the bed.
0: It's such an odd choice. It's it's a perfect moment. But it's something like that would have never occurred to me to have her <laughs> right, that's, struggle yeah. with that bed that's why we're not, for five we're not fucking David Lynch. minutes, <laughs> and then to come out with this like portfolio size suitcase, and you're just like, what?
1: Charlotte Stewart, I think in one of the things I watched, talked about that scene and talked about feeling like she was it was going on too long, <laughs> and David Lynch was like, no, nope, keep, keep going.
0: going. <laughs> <laughs> keep doing it. <that. laughs>
1: And it works.
0: It's perfect. But she's just like, what is happening? But again, it's like you take something that would be mundane of like the awkwardness of her leaving. You turn the volume up on it. It's like it becomes this even more just terrifying. Like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Absurd moment.
1: <laughs> so yeah, then Henry is left alone to to take, to care, take of care of the baby. baby. The,
0: and he, terms, does a he good did job. get like he got the worm in the mail. So that happened.
1: Oh yeah, was that in there somewhere? Yeah, okay. And
0: mm-hmm. I didn't know what the fuck We're was gonna going have on to have there.
1: Come, yeah, yeah, That's a
0: he has a worm in a cabinet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> somebody sends him a little piece of wor- little piece of flesh or a little worm or something in a little box he in the mail. Keeps
0: it in a little curio, and he,
1: and he puts it away in the cabinet because yeah. he obviously treasures it. Deeply, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I
0: don't either, I really don't.
1: Uh, but yeah, then he's taking care of the baby, and he, you know,
0: so we see the baby, and I guess he like feeds the baby something yeah, uh-huh. through like a syringe or something. Mm-hmm. And the baby looks fine, fine for this baby,
1: <laughs> fine, <laughs> relatively speaking,
0: and then cut to back to baby. Herpes he, he, source
1: just <laughs> covered. He takes the baby's temperature and then he looks at the thermometer and it's normal. Like, oh, temperature is normal. When he turns back to the baby, just
0: postules. and inside the mouth is it's like
1: maggoty just and just
0: the fuck happened here. <laughs>
1: and he says, "Oh, you are sick."
0: And then what does he do? Pulls out a humidifier.
1: This is, you were pretty quiet throughout this movie, so I couldn't really gauge. And then in that scene, you were like, what the fuck is the humidifier going to do?
0: You have an aborted camel fetus for a child who is now covered in herpes sores. You pull out a humidifier. That's like when our parents used to use Vicks VapoRub for everything. Vicks does not solve everything. Put the Vicks down. They
1: didn't try that. Uh, Maybe that would have no, helped.
0: No, no.
1: <laughs> Chicken soup and Vicks Vapor no. Rub cures ninety percent of the skin. No,
0: kill it with fire. <laughs> no, no. And then it gets weird.
1: Oh, then it gets weird.
0: So, in his radiator <laughs> is some other world. Uh huh. Where there's a stage.
1: He stares at the radiator like it's a television set. Yeah. Um. And yeah. There's a there's a stage in there where um, there is the character She has a name played by Laurel Neer, credited as Lady in the Radiator.
0: Sure. Dancing oddly <laughs> with some form of elephantitis or something I don't know. the face is disfigured. She has these
1: sort of facial tumors,
0: tight things. And she's doing this like little two step back and forth across the stage. And then the sperm worms (laughs) drop down from the the scar. And at first she's sort of avoiding them. And then she starts she's sort of
1: dancing around them them a little bit.
0: And then she starts to actively, like, step on them and smash the sperm. I don't know what the fuck that means. (laughs) Really don't.
1: Well, I don't know exactly either, but I can tell you this. Okay. She was not in the original script for Eraserhead. Okay. She was a late addition. Um, It... The original story apparently was darker. What? And, and ended on a dark note. And he he wanted to put her in to represent hope.
0: How is she hope?
1: <laughs> she's, the, she's the ray of light.
0: She looks like the moon in, the in that film. silent film where the rocket hits it in the eye. It's odd and unnerving.
1: That's not hope. No, she's the hope. Because Lynch, mm-hmm. when he was making this movie, was getting into transcendental meditation. And he was, you know... Really getting into that and discovering enlightenment and all of that. And she represents that, that part of it. So she represents hope in this, clearly.
0: I feel like the people that practice transcendental meditation would disagree. But okay. Sure. (laughs) If that's what you see when you close your eyes, that's not what Don Draper said at the end of Mad Men. It's like a Coke. Can we just get a Coke? (laughs) So yeah, that happens. I don't know what the fuck it means. Mm -hmm. And then we're back in the bed with Mary.
1: (sighs) Mary is suddenly back.
0: Mary... Is struggling a lot in the sheet. It's like she's cocooning because she's moist and And she sort of has
1: to push out of it like she's being. And she's making these
0: like clicky noises with her mouth, and then she's rubbing her eyes.
1: Yeah, the sound. Yeah, the sound design on this movie is fantastic.
0: It is amazing because it is cacophonous. It's (laughs) it's quiet in moments, and then when shit like this happens, it's so loud.
1: Just her rubbing her eyes. That's so loud.
0: So as she's like coming out of her fucking chrysalis or whatever (laughs) he's looking down and he's all of a sudden there's all the the sperm worms are in the bed and so he's pulling them out like from under her and then throwing them against the wall and they're sort of just smashing and Uh getting shit all over the wall it is disturbing and then i think we realize that's a dream right is that what happens
1: i don't think i don't know that anything's a dream
0: i hope this is all a (laughs) dream. Something happens because the bitch ain't there when the neighbor comes to the door. Right. And she's like, "Hey, I forgot my keys."
1: But wait a minute, okay. So I don't want to move on too quickly because. So okay. um, what? I'm sorry. What did that? What did that mean? That scene.
0: The cocoon chrysalis worm shit.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What the fuck?
0: I don't know. <laughs> Get abortions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that
1: s- sort of is what I think that scene means. <laughs>
0: It means I regretted having this child yeah, throw I think, the sperm I think out of the throw, bed. Right.
1: God forbid we have another one. That's what I think that scene means. He's like hurling those sperm things against the wall and smashing them. Like almost frantically pulling them away from her and throwing them against the wall. Like, I, yeah, I don't... Want to have any more of those no. babies?
0: But then why is she like an alien coming out of the egg? Well,
1: that I can't. And it's all that slimy I can't, and that weird. I can't and tell you, I don't. See, I don't. You know,
0: I feel like there's stuff I don't get.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I think we all feel that way. Yeah. As Lynch said, I mean Lynch said no one has ever gotten <laughs> what he thinks it all means. So
0: did he stay married to his wife?
1: I uh, know they actually divorced during. But the he making, actually the making. But the child this movie. is alive. And- In fact, Lynch. They got divorced, I think, in 73, so that was halfway through the process of making this movie, and Lynch moved on to this set, so Lynch was basically sleeping in the Eraserhead bed.
0: But the baby that they had lived and is alive.
1: Jennifer, yes. We're kind of fucked up... <laughs>
0: What shit is that to grow up with? Is that how you see me, Dad?
1: They apparently have a very good relationship. That
0: is fucked up. Oh, God.
1: She she became a director. She directed a movie called Boxing Helena, which is not a good movie, but that's beside the point.
0: But this is what you thought of but me yeah, when no, I got she, here. She
1: absolutely says, yeah, that movie is about
0: me. That is years of therapy. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: So he's uh, he's he's yanked the sperm away from his wife and smashed them against the wall, mm-hmm. and then I th- I think it is in the next scene. Oh no! First we get he opens the cabinet and we get a little dance scene with the I ignored wor- that the little worm I ignored it. <laughs> Which I think does somehow represent, like, his little bit of himself that he's put away or something. Foreskin? Sexual. Uh, something sexual of his that he's put away. Like, it's his penis that he's locked away in the cabinet. I think there's something like that going on with that. Men
0: need therapy. <laughs> like, y'all really got to talk to somebody. This
1: is it. I think this was his therapy. It gets
0: scary. That little foreskin in the cabinet, that's like Reddit and 4chan. That's. Don't. Mm-mm. Y'all got to get help. You got to talk to somebody. Deal with your emotions. And
1: then and then I think that's when the neighbor shows up. So, again, yes. we have this, this, the sex thing is going on here, that mm-hmm. the temptation of the beautiful woman across the hall.
0: I don't see how she's at all tempted by him, though. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I get why he wants her. Okay. I do not understand why she's at all interested. Here's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's say that she finds him attractive. Sure. You walk into the room... <laughs> <laughs> You see the pile of dirt. You see the weird mossy twig shit growing all over the apartment.
1: And then over on this side of the room, you got
0: a aborted camel <laughs> fetus
1: <laughs> covered in herpes sores, squalling. And he like when Muscles she comes in, he puts his mouth. hand over
0: the baby's mouth. You're fucking up my game, baby. Like maybe she's
1: not not gonna notice you if I if I just do this. <laughs>
0: Even in surreal situations, men are trash. You're trash (laughs) in reality. You're trash when we're in a surreal environment.
1: In your dreams and nightmares of your own life, you are still trash.
0: But apparently, it was a turn on for her. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they get it on and have sex in
1: <laughs> milky pool. milky pool
0: of something that they then sort of drown I lo- in. I love that
1: scene. They sort of sink into it until just her hair is it's floating so on odd. the surface.
0: So odd. <laughs> and I don't mean if I don't know that means like he just ejaculates a lot. Is that supposed <laughs> to be like? And it's this like toxic semen that produces babies like that. I don't know. Like, I, yeah, so many questions.
1: And then out of that, we get another, another scene of the lady in the radiator.
0: Yeah. S- so singing again, a song. Who, who
1: represents, you know, happiness or no, bliss she or she peace. She
0: doesn't.
1: Something transcendent There's nothing peaceful
0: about her. <laughs> She's singing a song about it being heaven.
1: Right. She says in heaven, everything is fine.
2: Is it, though?
1: <laughs> so I think one of the, and I'm not sure, I don't think I agree with this, but I, one of the popular interpretations of her is that she is death. Okay. And the attraction of death and mm-hmm. being you know, released from this Jesus. life into... Because those scenes are, as weird as they are, that's the only light in this movie. Yeah. Like, we get this bolt, these blasts of white light yeah. during those scenes, when which is startling because the rest of the movie is so dark.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, do with that what you will. I think that, it, like I said, that's one of the interpretations of what she is.
0: I prefer my death dark. <laughs> Give me the hooded dude any time. That's yeah.
1: so cliche. Or the
0: tattooed chick from the Sandman series. Like, give me one of those. I don't want whatever this is. It's You don't weird.
1: want tumor face lady? No, I really don't. Okay. And I think this is where his head falls off. Yeah. According to my notes, this is where now at where his head falls
0: yeah, off. Yeah, I have head pops off.
1: Uh-huh. This was apparently the seminal image. This was the first thing Lynch came up with was this image of the guy's head being followed. The guy's head falling off and being taken to the pencil factory to be turned into erasers. Hence, hence the title. Yeah, I've nope, got that. Eraser head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it is also the thing to me. I I don't know what to do with. I don't know what that is.
0: Uh, no. They like drill into his head. Is it some statement about like extracting? No, I'm not even gonna try. Like I don't know. <laughs> and it
1: becomes. An I eraser. think maybe it. This is where it crosses again into the sort of transcendental meditation thing. The goal of like achieving some sort of clarity, some sort of. Like, you forget, like, because they, they draw the line, and then they erase the line, mm-hmm. right? And it's sort of this achieving a sort of zen state sure. of yeah. something. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I honestly don't know. Nope. <laughs> You're just looking at me like, not even going to try to.
2: No.
1: You don't care, do you? No.
2: <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> so, they, so they make erasers out of his head. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we go back to normal life.
0: Such as it is.
1: That sequence ends, and we're back to normalcy.
0: So he goes to knock on his neighbor's door and she's actually entering her apartment with some other dude who has a huge sort of Gorbachev thing going on. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of like deformity and yes, yes. like body shit happening mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, and again, it just feels like, okay, the, the world is poisoning them some this like terrible industrial place. And so... But
1: again, I think there is a relatively straightforward emotional narrative under all of this Mm -hmm. right so he's in this hideous life he didn't want to be in with this baby that he didn't want to take care of and this wife who doesn't want to be there he meets this beautiful woman he this is a way out of that life right this is hope he's hoping Mm -hmm. she's going to be a way out of this um even the thing with him like putting trying to muffle the baby like you know he wants to Keep, keep that from yeah. her, so we can maintain the fantasy and be that a different person with her. And then, where we are here, he's very anxious to see her again. He goes to her door and knocks on it, and there's no answer. And then he goes back and he broods a while. And then he hears her come home, and he's very excited. And he rushes to the door and he opens the door, and she's with someone else. Yeah. And when she turns and looks at him, she sees the baby head. Him with the baby head. Yeah. So, it's his fear that this is who I am now. Right. Right? I want to be an attractive man to this woman, and she just sees me as... A dad. A dad with this baby that I'm saddled with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Get the fuck over it. So, he goes back in the apartment, and the baby laughs at him, which I appreciate. And the
1: baby starts laughing at him. Just
0: (laughs) this mocking laugh. Just like you played yourself, you idiot. He tried to muffle my ass.
1: And that's kind of the final straw That's pretty here. much he's
0: done with the baby.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So he gets scissors, and he cuts the baby's cast. Right. the
1: baby has been swaddled this, <laughs> this entire time. time. And he <laughs> decides, it's it's a little ambiguous what his intentions are here. Yes. It seems like he just wants, he's like, okay, I've, I've got to look at this baby. Yeah. Like, I've never seen it unswaddled. I'm going to look beneath the swaddling and see what I'm dealing with here. So he cuts through the bandages. Mm-hmm. And what do we get?
0: Organs. <laughs> just organs in a bag. It's like somebody put lungs and liver and shit in a like, plastic bag. The
1: swaddling was its skin. What, was and it in like cutting it? through it, he has opened... One of those opened.
0: thank you badge with a smiley face on it. Again, should never have left the hospital like that.
1: <laughs> you seem very concerned about that Because
0: who the fuck? He's like, yeah, this is totally fine for you to take home.
1: Right, but I mean, everything else in the movie, you, that that's the one thing you're focusing on. I just on. can't. I it's cannot like you want to file a report with
0: somebody I do. That, I can't let it
1: what go. Why hospitals send this baby home with inexperienced parents? No social, with work, parents. Che- no social worker checking in on him or anything.
0: Baby ain't got no body. <laughs> the baby's just wrapped cl- like a burrito. The baby's a burrito.
2: Nope.
1: So, yeah, this, <laughs> this thing is opened up.
0: NICU at the least. It should be a NICU. At the very least. In one of those fucking chambers. Something. It's It shouldn't be at home. Yes, so it opens, we open the burrito, and then he's just like, oh, I'm going to stab this.
1: (laughs) Which is, to be fair, is what you would have done day one.
0: Day again, would not have taken it home. swoosh by waste trash can.
1: So, yeah, he he stabs yes. the, the internal organs
0: and then of it, the like, baby,
1: and there's more oozing.
0: And then it, like, bubbles into the... It looks like grits. Like, it just... <laughs> like
1: oatmeal. O-
0: oatmeal just...
1: More stuff than would actually fit, fit in the baby. In, like, I don't
0: know why it's doing that, where <laughs> it's coming from. It's like
1: a chemical reaction. It just starts pouring out of the baby.
0: And somehow its head starts to, like, sort of separate from the... Like, uh-huh. the neck gets on, and it becomes one of the worms. Sperm worm right, things. Right, but the head,
1: the head is getting growing bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger. <sighs> yeah, like happens.
0: Sure, that's it.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's not it.
0: That's my last note. So that's at least when I decided. <laughs> okay, we're done taking notes.
1: So the 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 head is like apparently as big as the bed at yeah. this point, and sort of coming at him. And then I think we cut to, uh, there's a brief scene of the man on the planet Mm. fighting with the levers. Mm -hmm. And then we have the happy ending.
0: That he dies?
1: (laughs) He's with the lady in the radiator in the white world. And she goes up and embraces him. And he actually, he looks sort of peaceful there. Because he died. In her arms. (laughs) Well, that is one interpretation of that, yes. And that was Eraserhead.
0: My dad would rather commit suicide (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then deal with having to raise me took up too much space in the room
1: so what, what What does it all mean
0: uh i mean
1: besides don't have children
0: it means the same thing that you know all those other films meant apparently mr mom all of those like <laughs> i gotta vacuum and watch the kids the fuck Y'all can't handle
1: it. It's basically the same movie, actually. You can't handle it. Mr. Mom.
0: You can't handle
1: it. Remember the scene in Mr. Mom when the like, washing machines right. started it's
0: attacking like, him? Right, basically... Basically it's like, the same. You guys wow. have a deep fear of in responsibility. In this paper, I will. Yes, it is a problem. <laughs> Jesus. Get it together.
1: I read one essay, and I don't remember where. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. But somebody was positing that the whole movie is about... Dealing with fear,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that actually, when he kills the baby, what he's doing is killing his own fear of fatherhood, and that's why there's the happy ending. And that is actually a much more optimistic. It's about confronting your fear.
0: Mm. Isn't that lovely?
1: <laughs> so there's a, a a reading for you. Here's my read. Okay,
0: Mary was gone for like a day, probably.
1: <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't. it
0: was it was definitely okay. a day, and it happened to be the day when the baby got sick. <laughs> And it fucked up his life. And he could not handle it.
1: He still managed to cheat on her during still that same day. Still managed to cheat
0: on her during the same day.
1: Okay. So this is coming back to your your universal theory While that While nearly smothering his That all his, his movies trial. are about men, men, are, men are trash. Men are
0: trash. And it is beautifully and artistically done. <laughs>
1: you're still trash.
0: <laughs> oh, isn't your trash beautiful? Isn't your trash symbolic?
1: It's so deep.
0: Your trash is so deep. You can't even clean up your fucking rooms.
1: <laughs> clean that shit off the radiator. You got
0: mold. You can't even bother to put your shit in a pot. <laughs> you just got it planted on your desk. But you think you deserve the hot chick across the hall
1: mm-hmm.
0: with your tainted seed. <laughs>
1: So, uh, did did you like this movie?
0: I really did, actually.
1: <laughs> I actually thought you did. I thought you would. <laughs> I
0: did enjoy it.
1: I wasn't sure. Like this could have gone the other way. Oh, absolutely, hard.
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah, but I I actually had a hope that you yeah. might enjoy this. No, I movie. really did.
0: I really did like it. I think it's really well done.
1: And it is. It is oddly beautiful. It is. Like the the cinematography is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it it does feel like there's a real story there. There's a real emotional. Something there. Okay, well, let's circle back and close the loop. Is it a horror movie?
0: Hmm. I mean, it's obviously a horror to men, sure. (laughs) In that sense. Uh, Is it a horror movie? No, because, again, so, like, this doesn't get into, like, that's not my fear. Like, so it may be a horror film for you or for men who have a fear of, like, fatherhood and responsibility, but, like, that's not.
1: Well, I mean, that's a whole, like, is a movie that, just because a movie is dealing with fears, Mm. does that make it a horror movie? Yeah. Or is it? Is it only a horror movie if it makes you immediately scared? Yeah. Like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I wasn't scared. It didn't um, tap into any fear.
1: Well, if I, you know, if, if we were 21 <sighs> years old and you were pregnant right now, I think maybe this would tap into some mm. some pretty immediate fears. Mm-hmm. Would it? <laughs> I, th- I think for both of us, it might.
0: Right, but you see how I would, you know, well, in the sense that I guess I would just leave. But right. uh <laughs> be fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a boss bitch move.
1: <laughs>
0: good luck, pal.
1: <laughs> Taking my suitcase. Because
0: it's usually the reverse. <laughs> so it just be like, <laughs> bounce. <laughs> uh, so no, I did not think it was a horror film yeah, okay. for me.
1: Maybe I should have saved this for like, Father's Day. Mm. be a good Father's Day movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sorry.
0: No, it was a good choice. I think it is. It's Halloween appropriate. It is, you know,
1: horrific images that
0: you will retain. I mean, the baby when the baby is sick. <laughs> That's it's, some pretty. It's
1: spitting things up, just, and it's just, its eyes are rolling. Gnarly back in its shit skull there, and it's,
0: man. That's just yeah. It's like. I'm not gonna be able to like cut open a butternut squash. Like things like that, won't be able to do it for a while. I'm gonna have to take a pause for the cause on a few of my vegetables. <laughs> Anything that roasts and caramelizes, you know, uh, and yeah. bubbles up. You don't wanna do that right now. It's okay.
1: That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week as the Unenthusiastic Critics Halloween Movie Marathon continues with Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Nicky, based on the 1954 novel Body Snatchers by Jack Finney, Kaufman's movie is actually the second of four adaptations of this story to date, (laughs) so I really think the best thing we could do would be to watch all four adaptations and and do like a little compare and contrast. I will contrast. burn this whole thing down. <laughs> what do you say? We've never done a quadruple feature before.
0: And there's a reason. And we've gotten close. <laughs>
1: Again, I bring up the Twilight Saga. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. That was a failure. <laughs> We could also maybe rewatch a couple of other movies that were clearly influenced by *Body no, Snatchers*. No, we're not doing that. Like *The Thing*.
0: We're not doing tangential. Bullshit. And one
1: of your favorites, *The Faculty*. I fucking. <laughs> so you'd write, "What if I wanted to do a double feature of *Invasion of the Body Snatchers* and *The Faculty*?"
0: Well, I wouldn't have to watch *The Faculty* because I've seen it a chameleon times. I don't think I've seen it. Josh Hartnett's haircut is <laughs> seared into my brain. Uh, So I wouldn't need to actually watch that, but we can talk about both of those (laughs) things. All right, we'll we'll talk about that.
1: Yes, it's a fucking classic. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can download earlier episodes, leave us a comment, or make a donation to support the show.
0: Smuggling drugs and pens. Brilliant. It's just brilliant.
1: I was doing a thing here.
0: And then the drugs are what actually killed yeah, the aliens. Yeah, no, this is what's going to
1: happen, is we're gonna, just going to end a- up talking about the fucking faculty. <laughs> so good. Which has happened before.
0: Okay, continue with your thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic or send an email to michael at unaffiliatedcritic.com. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show or suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Please, God, anything but the faculty.
0: It's so good.
1: Until next time. Non-Hobbit <laughs> remember...
0: Elijah Wood, which is <laughs> best Elijah Wood.
1: <laughs> True love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch.
0: Not Furuzabak, the other one that's sort of weird, you like Furuzabak. Uh
1: huh. Yeah.
0: Can't remember her name.
1: We're, this episode is over now.
0: Awesome in it. <laughs> and then the hot chick that you like who plays um Phoenix in the X-Men.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. What's her name? F- Famke Jansen. Yes. Uh-huh. It's
0: a fucking class. Selma Hayek. <laughs> John Stewart. It's a, I mean, bam bam bam. bam. It's a, just on all levels. People this should is- just watch the faculty.
1: <laughs> this is what I'm dealing with.
2: <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs>